Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. Okay, we're recording now. We're rolling? Okay, did we get the lube up the pipes part? Nope, I chose to record after that. Okay, right before y'all joined in, um, Jeremy was like, hey, I'm going <laughs> to lube up my pipes. And we're okay, both drinking. Well, hold on. Con- <laughs> let's, get some, let's get some context in here. When I say lube up my pipes, <laughs> I mean my throat, which is a pipe. A doctor yeah. might say it's more complicated than that. <laughs> For me, my throat is a very versatile pipe. It pumps food in. And air out. Well, air in and out. It doesn't pump anything, really. It's gravity. You know what? Your lungs is what is pumping. <laughs> Along <laughs> your, with it. <laughs> your lungs is what is pumping. Wow, you heard it here from Dr. Mo. Uh, something me and the lungs have in common <laughs> is we both pump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're so both drinking. We we're both yep. drinking White Claws. Because... It is quarantine, and when you're in quarantine, that is what you do. You drink White Claws. And I got tested, and I'm negative for COVID, so we're here recording, and we're having a great time. Why did you get tested for COVID? Tell them why. Um, Because I made a spontaneous, impulsive decision to go to Denver because usually every summer I go to somewhere that is not America. Yeah. And since COVID happened, I can't go to somewhere that's not America. So I decided to go to different places of America. And that place of America was Denver this time. And I'll... Hell of a way to say what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll probably go to more places uh, within the U.S. Wow. before the year's up because I usually put aside quite a bit of monies to go international and... Going to Denver was quite a bit cheaper than doing that. So I have more sure. money to go to different places. So I'll probably, I'm thinking like Philly. I would like to go to Philly. Really? Yeah, Philadelphia. Denver actually wasn't too bad because all the restaurants and things were outside only. They didn't have too many people there. Like it wasn't too crazy busy or anything. And yeah. if you were not seated at your table, you had to have a mask on, which made me feel like, decently safe and i did go to a couple bars and all of them you had to wear a mask unless you were seated at your table and if you wanted to like get up and go flirt with people at another table you had to have your mask on in transit you had to have a mask on that's that's right the protocol in most mm-hmm. restaurants and bars and stuff yeah and public places it seems to be is right. if you're in between places put a mask on at your table you can take it off so what was the coolest part about your trip what were the highlights okay so I went on a hike, which was a lot of fun. And then the rest of the time, I was hammered, which was also very Fantastic. cool and fun of me. So I went to <laughs> a lesbian bar for a couple nights, and that was fun. And then I went to a dog bar um, where I got bottomless mimosas. And they, you could like bring your dog, and then like all the dogs are just running around and playing with each other, which is I feel like very cute. Drunk people and like unattended dogs, I feel like would be a recipe for disaster. It wasn't. It was amazing. And I got 
really drunk off of mimosas because I also had not eaten, so I threw up in the bathroom Mm -hmm. because mimosas are delicious, for one, and there's dogs, so I'm, like, easily distracted and, like, excited. (laughs) So I wasn't thinking about eating or, like, pacing myself. And it, like, hit me all at once, and it was, like, really fucking embarrassing, actually, because I was talking to a girl, and I just, like, threw up in my mouth in front of her while I was talking to her. (laughs) (laughs) It can be super embarrassing, especially if you're talking to somebody that you know isn't on your level right and every time someone asks you a question you end up saying the dumbest thing ever like what's your biggest fear <laughs> <laughs> exactly you're just hanging out and you're just like so like what's the worst thing that ever happened to you as a kid <laughs> you're right? like what we were talking about movies uh, absolutely just bringing up things that do not pertain to the conversation at all yeah. like i was just like so what's your love language <laughs> <laughs> english <laughs> um and i was like mine is physical touch and she's like is it? And then she touched my leg and I was like, I can't. <laughs> That's when you began to throw up. This is too much for me. <laughs> okay, so like, but like imagine the complex you just created inside this woman's mind where she says, what's your love? What you said, <laughs> she, you, yo, you asked what, what's your love language? Don't give her enough time to answer. Then say, mine's, mine's touch. And she goes, okay, I think she wants me to touch her. Yeah. So she touches you and then you vomit. <laughs> for the rest of her life, she's walking around being like, I have the ability to make people vomit with my touch. Okay, but also, it was also fun because I got a bunch of voodoo donuts, which are like really famous. Yeah. And they were closed. And I went to leave and this employee like ran out after me, like chased me down and gave me a dozen donuts for free. And it was just like, hey, have these. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. Yeah. And then I got to experience being really drunk and just walking down the streets of Denver and handing out donuts to a bunch of other drunk people. Yeah. Which, Which is, is like, I, Well, I think that's terrible because, like, if someone gives you free donuts, my knee-jerk reaction is, like, I'm going to go back to my hotel room and eat all of these donuts. Right. I mean, honestly, it's morally superior to just hand them out. Mm-hmm. There's 12 donuts. I don't care. Those are my donuts that I got. Very clearly a blessing from God. A guy just <laughs> runs out and is like, here, take this. It's free. Everything's free for you. I'd be like, okay, this is a, a sign to go. Mm-hmm. get sick and eat all of these <laughs> but like when i drink i really cannot handle sweets really okay and they were very sweet donuts i know i'm not gonna eat all these so i'm gonna just give them to anybody who looks them. at me just waste them whoever looks me in the eye is gonna get a donut and it made me very happy you floozy mm-hmm. anyone who looks at me is gonna get some donuts hell yeah god wh- why are there not more people like that walking around here I am. Here you is. Here you is. Also, hi. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Hi, everybody. How are you? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up? <laughs> Welcome back to According to an Idiot. I am your host, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. I am Mo. I am Mo. <laughs> I am. Hello. I am Mo. There we go. Gotta separate the am and the mo. Welcome. Welcome, Mo. I am Mo. Mo, I am. Mo, I is. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Moa is. I've had too many white claws. I already have to pee again. Oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> that's we'll cross that bridge <laughs> when we come to it, and I feel like it's approaching quickly. Ah, fuck. Um, I also want to clarify that Mo has already peed. I think three times. This will be your third time <laughs> peeing if you go again, and yeah. we've only been down here for like thirty minutes. Okay, when I drink, I have to pee constantly. Get your bladder expanded. Ever thought about that? Getting some bladder augmentation. And do what? What are they going to do? Make it big. Make it bigger? One big satchel for piss. Way too big of a bladder. (laughs) Do you want me to pause so you can go pee? (sighs) Maybe. 
We're going to cut to elevator music right now. I have an observation. What's your observation? Are we recording? We're recording. This is important. I'm back from peeing and... Welcome back. It was a very good pee, in case you're wondering. We weren't. I've realized through quarantine I'm such a fucking night owl. Yeah. And I didn't realize that before. I am just so foggy in the morning. And then as mm-hmm. soon as 8 o'clock rolls around, I'm like, this is my time to shine. 2 a.m. in particular is like my peak I know what you're talking time. about. I get most of my work done after 8. But the way the point I was going to try to get to was when I do that, when it, like in the middle of the night when I'm just like, I just want to go lay outside. And I do that. I get this weird primal instinct that like washes over me where I'm like, I need to just run around in the dark right now. <laughs> what? Do you know what I'm talking about? Kind of. I'm just like. I'll I've be, never acted upon it. I did. I did. You'd you be the person to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was looking at the stars using the telescope, whatever. And I was like, I just want to fucking run around right now. And there was like a bunch of fireflies. And I'm like, wow, this is what animals feel like. And oh my God, suddenly, I suddenly, oh my God, <laughs> this is what animals feel like. Suddenly, I completely understood every folk tale we've ever talked about where people feel like they're shapeshifters or yeah. fucking yeah. like demonic people because there's something about being outside in the middle of the night and just like being in nature nothing going on there's yeah. no one around yes. you where yes. you just feel like an animal well also i feel like at nighttime just there's like a magic tonight right there is such mystery in what lies in the dark yeah i feel like things are just more fun and like wild yeah but also, you were the same. This is the same woman who, as a child, would uh, pretend to be a cheetah. That's very true. I feel like it's just the cheetah coming back. We yeah. talked about it before. In elementary school, you would be known as the cheetah, and you'd like run around on all fours. Yeah, I'd run around on all fours, and I would like growl at people and also eat the grass. Yeah. Yeah, that was me. Yep. The other night, my sister and her boyfriend were like over and hanging out. And I was like laughing really, really hard at something they said. Mm-hmm. And they go, the chair is back. And I'm like, what What do you mean? They're like, chair you know, back. the chair, like your laugh. It sounds like a squeaky chair. What? And I cannot function as the same person anymore. It's not your laugh. Sounds My like a, laugh sounds so, like a squeaky chair. I've never heard it that way. But. And it does. Like, OK, you know, when I laugh really hard, I go like. <laughs> yes. Yes. It sounds like a squeaky. It chair. sounds like a chair scooting across the linoleum yeah. floor. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like in every episode, there's a laugh like that. It's a, yeah. it's always a big laugh followed by. Sque- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I know because I, whenever I'm editing it, I always I know how it looks on as a sound wave <laughs> on Adobe Audition. Like I, I know this the spikes of that sound wave <laughs> when you laugh like that. I've edited our voices too much, but so like I know like typically three is the perfect number because it doesn't sound weird, but you normally do like six. So I'm always cutting, I always cut those off because it'll go on for like, uh, 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 uh. and I'm like, that's way too long. It, so, it doesn't, it sounds like a, like an old cellar door. They're not going to know what that sound is. I got to cut it down. And so I always cut down your laughs because it always goes on for like one inhale too long. No. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, fuck. 
It's now all I'm like good. so conscious of my laugh now. No, don't be because I'll, I'll always change it. You'll <laughs> always edit out my obnoxiously long I laugh. I got you. Because once I start, I can't stop. That's my thing. Yeah. I don't know. Like when something hits me that funny, it takes me a minute. That's where, la- that's where laugh is. A that's laugh is, a, yeah. is you taking a minute to just inhale air with your vocal cords making noises. When you laugh really hard, you do a snort. Yeah. And it's a new thing, too. I've yeah. also had, oh my God. You do like short giggle bursts and then you snort. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, like, yeah. Fuck that. There. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there like, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do little. G- yeah, it's not good. In the last five years, I've developed that. I didn't yeah, always it's nice though. That. It's a very nice laugh. I didn't always make a sound when I laughed. Yeah. And that's always the worst because you can't really convey to people when they're funny because you just kind of your I mouth would, is just open. And yeah, like- I would just smile and kind of like inhale, <laughs> and it wasn't as good. But yeah. yeah, okay. There was a moment. Oh my god, you're gonna love this. So <laughs> there was a moment. <laughs> I thought I almost died. Okay, this is a couple weeks Ooh, ago. A couple so, of weeks ago. Two weeks ago, let's say. So I was watching TV with my girlfriend, and I <laughs> she has a water bottle that she always drinks out of, and so it has like a nozzle on it that you suck on like a nipple. You don't need to, you don't need to tilt it up. You just kind of slurp like a dumb baby. So we were eating food and watching TV, and she was like, "Can you hand me my water bottle?" So like, I think I'm gonna get her water water bottle. Her waddle bottle. <laughs> I'm going to pick up her water bottle, and I'm going to take a sip first, just to be a little stinker. Okay, yeah. And so she didn't think it was funny. I, I took a <laughs> sip out of it, and like I can't finish the sip without laughing at myself because I'm a narcissist. And so I go, <laughs> and like I inhale. I don't choke. I inhale all the water I just sucked out of the nipple of the water bottle. So there's literally water in my lungs. And so I started making a sound that I've never <laughs> made before. It sounded like a burp pickup. I was like, <laughs> like I'm drowning on land. And so my reaction, there, we were in her apartment. Her bathroom is right by her couch. So I instinctively get on my knees and crawl to the dark bathroom. There's no light on the bathroom. I'm crawling to the bathroom like a dying dog crawls under a porch to die alone. I just instinctively go there. All the while, I'm going, <laughs> and like she's laughing, and I'm trying to laugh too. So I'm just farting every, every cough. No, and it's, just, it's like God. If you can imagine a more humiliating, talking about burying your soul to somebody, it's the ugliest sound. And I and I I crawl into the shower, and I just like lay down and wait to die. And I didn't die. I just coughed up water. God, and I had I had a sore throat for a week after that. That was the worst. That was the closest. I, there was a point. There was a point where I'm like, I wasn't scared. I was just like, I'm gonna die in this bathroom. Excuse me. I don't want to die in front of you. I was just farting and coughing and choking and burping. Oh my gosh. You know. Well, that's the best visual I've ever had. <laughs> As I'm coughing, my back is arching, so I'm like twerking essentially. <laughs> I'm just twerking and coughing and farting. God, so. uh, that's how you know she loves you. That's though. how you know. That's how you know. Um, that's like the when you knew you loved them. <laughs> <laughs> that's the story. I was watching him drown on land, and uh, he was twerking and farting and burping. That's the best set of karma uh, I've ever heard. Though. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's fast acting karma. Mm-hmm. I tell you what. Oh, okay. All right, let's uh, shift gears a little bit, maybe, mm-hmm. into Tinder. Tinder? Tinderellas. Tinderellas? You got some Tinderellas? Yeah, I did. I made sure I had some Tinderellas. Oh, my God. Tinderella? 
Would you mind if I spread Nutella on her butt and ate it? Well, here we are. If uh, anyone listening has found some embarrassing or particularly interesting Tinder profiles, send them our way to our email. We'll name this guy. Take a look. Take a look. Oh, my God. That's a very old man. That is a Chuck. Ooh, a Chuck. That's a, yeah. 100% a Chuck. That's that a Chuck. Man, yeah, you're right. He's got like five good summers left. <laughs> okay, so we have, we have Chuck. And this is his bio. Okay. I am the OG old guy woman, only no bisexuality, please. I, <laughs> this is okay. all one sentence. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we had to slow down. Fuck, okay. I am the OG old guy woman, only no bisexuality, please. I am a retired out of submarines, special <laughs> forces. I have been to places above and beyond most people's comprehension. This is still one sentence. I have been in the farthest reaches of the stratosphere, have been seven miles down in the marina's trench. I have an IQ of 164. I am a hater of haters. I have the money sign, money sign, money sign, and I give it away. I have golden eyes and silver hair, and I know true beauty, and I know the beast. I am the... All caps, true old G and proud of it. Oh my God, this man sounds like a demigod. He's got gold eyes. Uh, that was... walking around. Nobody has gold eyes. There's... I think it's impossible to have gold eyes. There's one period in that entire bio. Oh, really? Yeah. That entire first paragraph is yeah. one one sentence. Yeah, it says here, I'm just looking at the bio, it says retired, his job was retired Navy submarine special forces at Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. Why was he in the stratosphere? Who knows? Sky submarines. We mm, they, haven't been, they haven't been released yet. Sky submarines, right. That's hard to dissect because he's got a lot going on there. Right. And his education is Los Angeles class. Say no more. Mm-hmm. School of hard knocks. That's what I'm all about. Right. He grew up on the mean streets of LA. <laughs> well, Chuck... I'm sure you're going to find somebody mm-hmm. who's going to want to take your money and they're <laughs> going to want to stare into your golden eyes and touch your silver hair and go in your sky submarines. He looks like the kind of person you would want to punch on sight. Well, the fact that he like has to talk about his IQ yeah, and also the fact that like he's been to the far reaches of different things. Mm-hmm. The stratosphere. Um, but he's just looking for women only. No bisexuals, please. No bisexuality. Please. He's God, pleading with no us. G- <laughs> no, no chance. No bis. Yes. No. You could be the perfect woman, but if you're bi, mm, no. no thank you. If I smell just a little bit of cooch on you, yeah. I only want to smell balls on you. That's all only I want. <laughs> I don't want a woman who's ever touched another woman because I've never touched another woman. Ooh, now we're talking. Uh, also, if you're wondering, yes, I am gay and I love women, but- all of the worst bios tend to be with men, so that's yeah. why that's why they tend men to be have, men. Men have a special kind of bad bio. Mm-hmm. A lot of women have bad bios. I've found a yes. ton of bad female yes. bios. Yes. However, men approach it with a different kind of chutzpah. Pizzazz, yeah, yeah. It's really... just different. It's just it hits different, <laughs> it and this it, it hits me in the right place it's a whole vibe. when I see it. Yeah. I learned a really weird, completely changing gears. Look out, everybody. I learned a really weird historical fact that I think is interesting but not mm-hmm. relevant, and I wanted to share it to you because I just wanted to get your take on this. Okay. Bear in mind there are some historical inaccuracies, I, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So I guess when New York was founded, specifically like the southern tip of Manhattan, mm-hmm. it was a Dutch colony. So I guess it's like in the 17th century, then-Governor Peter 
Stuyvesant Mm -hmm. ordered a 10-foot wooden wall that protected the lower peninsula from the British and Native Americans. Because obviously things were dangerous back then. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, at some point, the wall was taken down. It later became a street. Okay. They called Wall Street. (gasps) Whoa! Isn't that weird? That's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Isn't that like absolutely bizarre that that's that literal? Wow. I don't know we should call this Wall Street. I always wondered why it was called Wall Street, but I never like cared enough to actually look it up. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like we've goofed around enough. Let's jump into our main segment this week, which is what, Mo? Um, I picked it, and it was time travel, baby. Time travel babies. Babies who have traveled through time. (laughs) It's a very exclusive list of babies. (laughs) One specific baby that has time travel. (laughs) Yes. His name, George Washington. (laughs) I would love if I... And everybody on the planet just started calling, like, American bills, like, by the president. Mm-hmm. So, like, a dollar bill is a George. By the first name. Yeah, no, Benjamin. Benjamin. Can well, I they, have they, an Abraham? Can I get an Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> uh, five Andrews, please. Yeah, five Andrews, please. And uh, who else is on? Oh, Alexander. God, you know so much more than me. Well, like Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton's on the $10 bill. And you know Hamilton because of the Broadway play. Oh, my gosh. Every other founding father story gets told. Every other founding father gets to grow old. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyways, we should hop into. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's correct ourselves because we said time travel babies. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, no. This episode is about time travel and related uh, things. So, let's hop in this time machine and go back to where we are traveling in time. Man, that was smooth. (laughs) Sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Unbelievable. Fantastic. But I tell you, it could happen. You can travel by a plane. You can travel by a car. You can travel by a boat. You can travel by train. (laughs) What if you could travel by time? Well, through time. That would be fun. It would until you what go would too you do, far back. What would you do if you could time travel? I would go to... I'm, I'm so not interesting, so I don't even have an answer for this. <laughs> Literally, anyone could be like, oh, uh, this, this, that. I couldn't decide on a place. I would be, that would be the most indecisive... You go to Cedar Point or something, but 50 years ago. Yeah, so it's just like an <laughs> island of It's just lumber. more dangerous version yeah. of Cedar Point. <laughs> right. <laughs> Back when people died on a roller coaster. <laughs> um, yeah, this one breaks your back. I have this belief that like um, life and society and history just gets better as time goes on. So I feel like going back would just always be worse because no yeah. matter what, it's going to be. Even if you're like, I want to go see the Beatles in a concert. Well, then you also have to deal with like, like a severe racism and sexism. Right. And, and also the Beatles concerts were so crowded and loud and that loud. you literally couldn't even hear them that's right. why they stopped touring yeah right so i guess i wouldn't you're right i guess i wouldn't want to do that 
I guess mm-hmm. I'd probably want to go see the monkeys in concert. <laughs> there you go. Underlooked, the kinks. The kinks. Underlooked 60s icons. If I went back in time. I didn't ask. I would want to be a pirate, maybe. Or okay, Hold on. You, my, your question to me was not, what do you want to be when you go back in time? <laughs> in which case, I would have also chose a pirate. <laughs> okay. Well, when would you go and what would you do? I feel like that's synonymous with being a pirate. That question is synonymous with being a pirate? Well, I mean, you you have free what? reign on doing anything you want with that question. But you think that question is synonymous with okay, pirate. Okay, I asked you, and you said you'd go to a Beatles concert. I didn't say that. I, th- I was speaking uh, hypothetically. What I would do, <laughs> I would go, I wouldn't want to go back in time. There's no place I would want, I would get a disease so easy. Well, yeah, just but of who ex- I am. excluding disease. God, okay. And if you just were able to live in the moment, what would you do? Probably go to like a whorehouse during the French Revolution when Ooh. things were extra crazy. Yeah, that would be fun. You know? If I went back in time, I would be like a vigilante, probably like a pirate, or like I would just be in like Victorian times. And I would be such a lesbian and I would woo all the women and I would go future in time. And then they'd be like, how the fuck did you get 1800 syphilis? And I'd yeah. go, don't worry about it. And then you flash them your pirate hat and they go, okay, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Enough said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would go to, um, I think I would prefer a time machine that just randomly generated where you go. So you can always be surprised. But yeah. but what if you go back to like dinosaur times? That would be spooky. That would be that would be absolutely terrifying to see what a dinosaur looked like. That would be so fun, but also terrifying. If you could have like a shark cage, the equivalent of a shark cage right, but for dinosaurs, right, right, right. a dinosaur cage, if you will, that would be kind of cool, I guess. But I don't know. I don't like any of that kind of stuff. Because yeah. if you go way far back, the big bugs. Ooh. Yeah, they no. have huge. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's what I say when I step out of the time machine. No, <laughs> not the bug. Because okay, fun fact. Um, back in prehistoric ages, where the dinosaurs and big bugs were, there was a lot more oxygen in the atmosphere, so uh, organisms were able to be a lot bigger because there was a lot more oxygen, so they were able to accommodate that growth like they were able to sustain that because they had more oxygen to feed their cells and grow a lot bigger where now we don't have as much oxygen so things are a lot smaller than they were speaking of old prehistoric animals and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so i was looking into like big birds not from sesame street but from back in the day right two million years ago there was this this class of birds called terror birds and they inhabited regions of south america ranging up to nine feet tall and 400 pounds. So humans never encountered these, but the, I'm going to butcher this, <laughs> uh, Maori or Mori people of New Zealand. Yeah. They have this legend called the Poakai. Okay. It's like a big man-eating bird, but it's probably a misidentified sighting of what's called the Hast's eagle, oh. which is the largest species of eagle ever on the planet. They were wow. 30 pounds, 10 feet wingspan, and they were known to hunt moa, which was a giant flightless bird that grew up to 12 feet, was 500 pounds, looked like emus, but like way bigger. Emus, but bigger. Wow. Yeah. So if the Hast's eagle could kill that size of an animal, it could have easily killed a few humans. <gasps> so yeah. Too far back in time. Things she are gets, real scary. She gets real scary real fast. Yeah. To be super safe, I would probably stay within like the 1900s. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So time travel, right? Let's oh get back God. on track. Let's get back on track. Start talking about some time travel. We're back in time travel mode. Time travel to me, I always picture Doctor Who. 
Yes. Because uh, I was a fan of that show in the TARDIS, which mm-hmm. is uh, an example of a time machine. Now, time travel was not always about time machines. In the olden days, there's folk tales like Rip Van Winkle. You ever heard of that? No. Rip Van Winkle is an old American folk tale about a guy who falls asleep in the Catskills mm-hmm. Mountains of New York. He falls asleep and he wakes up, uh, I think, a couple hundred years into the future. Everybody he knows and loves is gone. And he has to, he's like, oh my God, I fell asleep for too long. So, for a long time in folklore across different cultures, you see prolonged sleep as an example of time travel. And you still see that in sci fi because we have, you know, sci fi movies with hypersleep cryo chambers that people go into cryo sleep. And the closest we ever come to time travel is when you accidentally fall asleep. And then, right. you, and then you wake up and time has passed. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, what happened? Whoa, what, what happened? What year is it? <laughs> but yeah, so throughout history, time travel has been a thing, of course. Tales of human beings traveling through time appear throughout history. Most early time travel tales involve everyday protagonists visiting a magical place, often the home of a supernatural being, like a deity or something like that. And when they return from this magical place, they discover that an impossible amount of time has passed. For example, a story in one of the two major Sanskrit epics of ancient India tells of a king who travels to heaven to meet the god Brahma. And upon returning home, he discovers that hundreds of years have passed. Likewise, a Japanese fairy tale called Urashima Taro follows a fisherman who rescues a turtle and is rewarded by being brought to a magical undersea castle. (laughs) After spending three days at the palace, he returns to find that that 300 years have passed. That's hot. That's hot. Wow. What a fucking fish. (laughs) Oh my God. What a turtle. (laughs) Um, Time travel is obviously not a thing that we can do. However, is there any basis, Mo, with your science person brain, Mm -hmm. is there any scientific basis to time travel? Can we do it? How do we do it? Do I I need a TARDIS like the Doctor Who? How do I do it? Um, I'll... Fucking tell you how we do it. Watch your goddamn language. Oh my god! Right, Linda got really offended by oh that god. last Linda. time. Do we have? Oh my god! Do we have any new podcast reviews? We have one that's very short. Oh, it's a thumbs up by Pie Pounder. Pie Pounder. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Mr. Pie Pounder. Yeah, five stars and a thumbs up, and it says always a fun podcast. Thanks, Pie Pounder. Now back to the show. Now back to the show. Yes, there is a scientific basis to time travel. What? Whoa. Okay, so this is very heady, very dense. Try to bear with me. I'm going to get through it as best as I can, but also I've had white claws, so it will not be explained very well. Yeah, you're trying to convey and explain these very complicated scientific theories while having drank in alcohol, but I typically have the comprehension of someone who's drank in a lot of alcohol, so (laughs) we're on level ground right now. Perfect. Go ahead and explain time travel. Okay, so you can... Think of time as a fourth dimension, and this is a theory explained by Einstein. Usually, you would think of space as three dimensions, length, width, and height, which shows a location. Think of it as like a cube, like a Rubik's Cube or something, where you have your up and down, side to side, and then you have your forwards and backwards, which gives you a three-dimensional object, three dimensions. Einstein said that there was a fourth dimension called time, which gives another coordinate or direction which can pinpoint like a location. Conventionally, it's thought that this is only forward, like time can only move forward. Right. But Einstein argued that time is an illusion and is relative. 
It's not a constant. So it can vary for different people depending on your speed through space. Okay. Okay. So basically, Einstein's theory of special relativity states that time slows down or speeds up depending on how fast you move relative to everything else. So someone in a spaceship at the speed of light would age much slower than like a person on the ground at Earth. Okay. Because they're moving faster through time, they would age slower. Now, are they aging slower or are they just skipping time? I guess you can think of it either way. Mm -hmm. Gravity can also bend time. So if you think of space-time as a blanket, when anything with mass sits on it, it causes a bend in that blanket. Bending space-time causes objects to move on a curved path, and that curve of space is gravity. These theories have been proven already with GPS, right? So like satellites and things. If there is an increased speed above Earth relative to the ground, so if you think of a satellite orbiting Earth, it's moving faster than the people who are on Earth. They found that it makes for about a 38 microsecond difference a day. So something very small, but it does move slower relative to the Earth's surface. So technically, astronauts are time travelers as they return to Earth slightly younger than their twins on the planet. And we have an example of this because of astronaut Scott Kelly, who spent a year in space, and he's got a twin brother who's also an astronaut. And when Scott came back from space, um, he was 18 years old. <laughs> no, he didn't look any younger, but like technically he had aged differently than his twin. Right. Which is like so fucking interesting and cool. But general relativity also allows for backwards time travel. And this is something that NASA actually has stated. They said that it can be done with wormholes. So wormholes is like that thing when you're watching like a sci-fi movie or whatever and they have like a piece of paper and they fold it in half and they shove like a pencil through yeah. it. Yeah. And they're like, this is a wormhole when you have two separate spaces of time. Movies always do that where they oversimplify things with props. <laughs> okay. Let me explain. It's always like a fucking eighth grade science teacher. Okay. Listen here. A flat piece of paper. This is us. You bend it like a taco. These are two different points of time. You stick a pencil through it. That's what we're going to do in our time machine. So essentially a wormhole links separate points in space and time. So you can think of it as a tunnel with two ends at separate points in time. While scientists don't know if they actually exist or not, like they haven't found exact evidence for it, if it did exist, it could connect distances such as a billion light years apart or more or short distances like a few meters. So you can think of planets or like galaxies or something like that. A wormhole could travel you to. Mm -hmm. Or it could travel you to different points in time. But with wormholes, there are paradoxes, right? Yeah. So how a wormhole would work if you were to make one, and this is very uh, complicated. So this is like an extremely dumbed down version. And I feel like it still doesn't really make sense. So if you're confused, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. So if you had one end of the wormhole, you would accelerate it at some speed of light, and then you would bring it back to the same location. What is one end of the wormhole? One end of the wormhole would be wherever the entrance to your machine is. Your time machine. Your time machine. So if I have a time machine outside of my house. Yeah. On the street. It's 4 p.m. It's a Wednesday. 
Mm-hmm. That's the wor- that's the uh, sort of the wormhole. It yeah. is where your time machine is parked. Right. And if you have some propulsion system, we'll say like Back to the Future, you have a fucking car. Yeah. You know, and you accelerate it at a speed of light, and then you bring it back to where you started from. Mm-hmm. That would create a wormhole. So I'm going to sit on top of my time machine is just an old uh, Commodore 64. doesn't work. <laughs> I have two shotguns that are my propulsion system. <laughs> I sit down, fire forward. I get kicked back. It's the year 1987, <laughs> and I have a broken Commodore 64, which is at that time a very expensive Great, piece of machinery, and I'm making money because they're going to pay me for this at the time expensive Commodore 64. That's all it is. End of the episode. Bye, guys. <laughs> How to make fast money even faster. <laughs> faster, yeah. So that's one method of creating a wormhole, supposedly. Another one is to take the entrance of the wormhole and move it within the gravitational field of an object that has a higher gravity than the entrance and then return it to the position near the entrance. So like whatever the fuck that means, but apparently it makes a wormhole. Yeah. So for both, time dilation causes the end of the wormhole that has been moved to age less or become younger. Okay. So if you're thinking in the aspect of Back to the Future with the DeLorean, yeah. when it's moved and then brought back to the same position, it's younger than it was before. Okay. After uh, this whatever you say. Whatever car, you say. Car goes zoom. Yes. I'm following now. Car goes zoom and then it's younger. But how? Because it goes at the speed of light. Which makes things younger. Which makes it a wormhole. Is it younger or younger relative to us? Exactly. It's younger relative to us. See, okay. you already get you already fucking get it, bro. <laughs> Man, I'm so smart. <laughs> you already get it. I'm learning. You already get it. Okay, so time okay, time works differently within the wormhole than it does outside of it, naturally. So one paradox within wormholes is with clocks. If you had a clock at either end of the wormhole, they would always be synchronized to the person going through the wormhole. Yeah. So the person entering the wormhole would exit the older end, the same age as at the younger end. So they would be going back in time. Yep. Going like forward, technically, they would still be younger because they didn't go through time as a normal person. They sped through it. So they would be younger than everybody else because it's relative. It's like skipping a grade in school. Yeah. Yeah, see, there you go. I'm here to translate to all you dummies. <laughs> <laughs> but the clocks would remain like the same. They would remain synchronized. Mm-hmm. So technically, you would only be able to go back to the time of the creation of the machine. Right, because that's your origin point. That's your origin point, right? You can't go beyond that. Some people say, some people like doctors, ew, um, <laughs> say that the two mouths of the wormhole with the clock difference couldn't be brought back together. So you wouldn't be able to actually create the wormhole because you have to bring it back to the same point of origin without making the hole collapse or the two mouths repel each other. That's their argument against it. (sighs) What was nerds trying to shoot down this dream of mine? (laughs) Yeah. So basically, you wouldn't be able to pass information through the wormhole because it would collapse when you tried to like bring the two ends together to create an actual tunnel through space and time. Yeah. Because a wormhole is a tunnel. Right. This is where I bring in the Everett model. Okay. Ooh, which has a resolution 
to the wormhole paradox of time travel. So the Everett model explains the many worlds interpretation. Have you ever heard of that before? Never heard of it. What does that mean? The many worlds interpretation basically explains parallel universes. Like a multiverse. Yeah, like a multiverse. Like there are many multiple universes in line with our own that we don't know and we can't directly interact with, but they exist very similar to our own. And is this in a case where it's like every decision that is made branches off and creates a different universe? That's kind of what string theory talks about, right? Um, it's not exactly like string theory, but it's similar. Okay. Basically with the Everett model, when we're talking about quantum physics, it states that a particle returning from the future does not return to its universe of origin, but to a parallel universe. So if you were time traveling and you wanted to go back to where you were before, you wouldn't return exactly where you were, but you would return to a parallel universe. Now, why? Because nonlinearity exists with quantum theory. So the particle is basically thrown off the track due to eternal inconsistencies. A big thing that you learn in science with the atom is that you can never totally predict where it will go. Mm -hmm. You have like a general space that you know an electron or particles exist, but you can never directly predict where it will land or where it will go. Mm -hmm. So you have Schrodinger's cat, which is like a popular theory, I guess, that exists for quantum mechanics where you have what's called a superposition. You have all these different positions where a particle can be but all at the same time. The metaphor in Schrodinger's cat is the concept of a cat and you put a box over it, right? So you can't see the cat. Mm -hmm. So the cat is both alive and dead. Right. The cat can be alive and dead at the same time. It can be either or. So you just take both into account because you can't predict which one it will be. Yeah. And it's the same thing for... Women. <laughs> women, but also quantum mechanics because you can't predict where particles will land exactly. When it comes to the multiple universes... If you're going back in time, the particles don't work in a straight line. They can go in a bunch of different directions. So when it goes back, it won't land exactly where it was before. So it'll land somewhere else, which wasn't your universe. Oh, so that's scary. But it won't do that. There's an actual like theory that is, I don't want to say accepted, but like considered, I guess, which is the Everett phone which states that one could talk to themselves at an earlier time point or to your alter ego from another universe. Oh, I just got goosebumps thinking about that. Right? But like you don't have a memory because a lot of people with time travel would be like, so if you interacted with yourself, that would change everything up because if you called yourself when you were 13, mm -hmm. then you would immediately remember calling yourself. Right. But not in this case because it's a different you. It's a different 13-year-old you. It's not the same 13-year-old you that you right. came from. It's an alternate you oh, God. that could exist. Mm -hmm. Isn't that so like... <gasps> yeah, Heebie-jeebie. Yeah. That's heavy stuff. Yeah. I hope that made sense. Yeah. I think that actually made a little bit of sense. Did it? Okay. Yeah. I For hope me, so. I mean, yeah. So piggybacking off of that, this idea of multiple alternate timelines and universes and versions of us, mm -hmm. there is a term that's pretty popular on the internet. Most of you have probably heard about it. Uh, it's called the Mandela Effect. Mm -hmm. The Mandela Effect is a phenomenon of false memory so the mandela effect occurs when a large group of people or one person really <laughs> believe an event occurred when it did not or 
recall a true event with false details. The Mandela Effect was coined by author and paranormal researcher Fiona Broom, and Broom was among the many people across the world who falsely recalled South African President Nelson Mandela dying in prison in the 1980s, when in reality he had lived up until 2013. First of all, just to give perspective, Mandela was a hugely yeah. influential political figure who fought against apartheid in South Africa and was imprisoned in 1962 for his role in anti-government protests and a sabotage campaign. He was given a life sentence, but eventually released after 27 years, went on to serve as the president of South Africa from 1994 to 1999. A very significant figure in modern history in terms of like race relations Mm -hmm. and in South Africa, apartheid. So Fiona Broom and others could recall, often in vivid detail, the extensive news coverage of his death in the 80s when he died in prison, including a televised ceremony where his widow gave a moving speech, like all these little details. Right. But none of this happened. That's why it's called the Mandela Effect. Conspiracy theorists believe that the Mandela Effect could be a byproduct of two or more alternate timelines converging, implying that there are multiple or alternate universes. Right. And they, like, bleed into each other. Right. So once in a while it skips. There's a glitch in the matrix, essentially. And you have a, a memory from a different timeline. A pretty popular example is, like, um, the Berenstein Bears. Right. Yeah, I've How that a one. lot of people, including me, remember it being the Berenstein Bears, but really it's the Berenstain Bears. Berenstain. Instead of S-T-E-I-N, it, it ends with S-T-A-I-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jif versus Jiffy. There's Jif peanut butter, but a lot of people mm. remember it as Jiffy peanut butter. Sex in the city versus sex and the city. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, either one makes sense. It's sex and the city. Sex and the city, yeah. yeah. Sex in the city just sounds like a porno. Okay, also, here's a popular one. Star Wars. What does uh, Darth Vader say when he reveals the paternity test results? Oh, I know this is wrong. But what does he say? Luke, I am your father. Nope, he never says Luke. He just says, I am your father. I am your father. I he never says am that. your father. Okay, Oscar Mayer Wiener. Spell Oscar Mayer. O-S-C-A-R-M-E-Y-E-R. Incorrect. It's M-A-Y-E-R. Mayer? This one blew my mind because I fucking loved Oscar Mayer hot dogs. And I can still see it on the packaging as M-E-Y-E-R. I can too. Yeah, it's but it's Mayer. If you look back online, nowhere is it M-E-Y-E-R. And I know there's a bunch of other examples, but um, that's just a little connection to there. Now, in terms of time travel, one thing I want to talk about I thought it was pretty interesting, is this concept of time slips, also called retrocognition. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm retroactively cognitioning. Okay. I'm going to give you a few little examples. There's one famous example called the Versailles Incident of 1901, when two British women, principal and vice principal of St. Hugh's College of Oxford, were touring the grounds of the Palace of Versailles when they experienced what one might argue to be an episode of retrocognition. See, the women claim to have entered a section of the gardens that appeared exactly as it had before the French Revolution, even claiming to have spotted a woman they believed to have been Marie Antoinette. (gasps) So these two women began searching for this specific part of the garden, but they became lost. As they wandered, they passed a deserted farmhouse and noticed an old plow lying by the side of the road. Immediately, they both began to feel strange, as if a heavy mood was oppressing their spirits. Two men dressed in, quote, long grayish-green coats with small three-cornered hats passed them. The women asked these men the way to Petit Trianon and were directed down a path directly in front of them. They proceeded down this path until they came upon a gazebo shaded by trees. Everything was still. 
A repulsive looking man, his face pitted with smallpox, was standing by the gazebo and he stared unpleasantly at them. Totally roasted that guy for just enjoying the shade of a gazebo. <laughs> just this repulsive man. You survived smallpox, you're scarred forever. You want to take a rest in the shade, and these two women are like, disgusting, no. oppressively moody. They walk by, and they're just, <laughs> bending over, gagging. <laughs> uh, just then, someone came rushing up behind them and warned them that they were going the wrong way. They were told to cross a small bridge, and when they did so, they arrived at what they assumed to be the Petite Trianon. Here, a woman was sitting on a stool, sketching. She wore an old-fashioned dress covered with a pale green scarf. Again, they experienced a sensation of intense gloom. Suddenly, a footman came rushing out of a nearby building, slamming the door behind himself. The footman told him that the entrance to the Petit Trenon was on the other side of the building. And so they walked around the house where they found a wedding party, waiting to tour the rooms. The dark mood lifted, and nothing else unusual happened. Back to 1901. And with these time slips, in every account that I found, there's this dark, oppressive mood that people feel. Like they're not supposed to be where they're at. Something's inherently wrong, and they feel it like this big gray cloud. And so uh, one that I thought was super interesting, and not too sensational, just really distinctly weird. I found this article in the Smithsonian Magazine. Uh, The title is, When Three British Boys Traveled to Medieval England. Or did they? Um, Yeah, so three Royal Naval Cadets sent out on a map reading exercise, and they end up in this little weird remote village in Suffolk, England. It's like too remote and it's gloomy and they have this overwhelming sense something is not right. No one's there. It's empty. And they said it distinctly did not feel like their time. That's such a creepy thought. So I'm going to read directly from this article by Mike Dash, SmithsonianMag.com. He writes, looking back, the really strange thing was the silence. The way the church bell stopped ringing as a little group of naval cadets near the village the way even the ducks stood quiet and motionless by the shallow stream that ran across the road where the main street began. And when the boys thought about it afterwards, they recalled that even the autumn birdsong faded as they neared the first houses. The wind had dropped to nothing, too, and the trees appeared to cast no shadows. The street itself was quite deserted, not so odd, perhaps, for a Sunday morning in 1957, especially in the rural heart of England. But even the remotest British hamlets displayed some signs of modernity by then. Cars parked by the roadside, phone wires strung along the roads, aerials on roofs, and there was nothing of that sort in this village. In fact, the houses on the high street all looked ancient. They were ragged, hand-built, timber-framed, quote, almost medieval in appearance, one boy thought. The three, all Royal Naval Cadets, walked up to the nearest building and pressed their faces to its grimy windows. They could see that it was some sort of butcher shop, but what they glimpsed in the interior was even more unsettling. As one of them recalled for the author, Andrew McKenzie, there were no tables or counters, just two or three whole oxen carcasses which had been skinned and in places were quite green with age. There was a green painted door and windows with smallish glass panes, one at the front and one at the side, rather dirty looking. I remember that as we three looked through that window in disbelief at the green carcasses, the general feeling certainly was one of disbelief and unreality. Spooked now, the cadets turned back and hurried out of the strange village. The track climbed a small hill, and they did not turn back until they reached the top. Then, one of the three remembered, quote, Suddenly, we could hear the bells once more and saw smoke rising from chimneys. None of the chimneys were smoking when we were in the village. We ran for a few hundred yards as if to shake off the weird feeling. Years later, William Lang, the Scottish boy who led the group, 
put it this way, quote, It was a ghost village, so to speak. It was almost as if we had walked back in time. I experienced an overwhelming feeling of sadness and depression in Kersey, which was the town they were in, mm-hmm. but also a feeling of unfriendliness and unseen watchers which sent shivers up one's back. I wondered if we'd knocked at a door to ask a question, who might have answered it? It doesn't bear thinking about. So what happened after that? They left, and then as soon as they got a certain distance away, like they said, smoke raised in the chimneys, the bird song came back, they were uh... back in their time. Because the thing with these two, these time slips, they're very brief. Right, You get right. this weird little glimpse, and then all of a sudden, bam, you're back to, snap back to reality. Oops, there goes gravity. <laughs> <laughs> and one, okay, here's an, another group of time slips that I think is like really interesting. The Bold Street time slips. Ooh, in okay. Liverpool, England, there's a street called Bold Street. For some reason, on Bold Street, a lot of time slips happen. One story that I had read, this guy is walking around, I think this was in the 90s, and all of a sudden... Something changes, he feels funny, he looks around, and everything is like post-war England all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. and like late 40s, early 50s. Everyone's dressed different. He goes towards this, like, I think it was like a shop, and as he's walking, he sees this woman who's dressed in his kind of clothes, modern clothes, and she goes into this clothing store. So he follows her into this clothing store, and when they enter it, it's a modern bookstore, Mm -hmm. and everything's normal. He doesn't feel that oppressive mood anymore. And she looks at him very peculiar. And she says, oh, that's strange. I thought this was a new clothing store. Huh. And then she leaves. Whoa. So a lot of stories like that. And What would um, you even do like, if that happened? Call your therapist. Yeah. And um, something interesting, I found this actually on the subreddit Glitch in the Matrix. There's a whole <gasps> uh, thread of stories from Bold Street. What if it's like a thin place? So the thing is, Bold Street, I guess, they all include that negative sensation. And Mm -hmm. a similar sensation, I guess, has been attributed to electromagnetism and its effect Ah. on the human body and mind. Right. Now, the Liverpool Underground Railway System runs under Bold Street. All time slips involve jumps to a variety of different decades, but never before the railway system was built. Ah. Almost kind of similar to what your point is about the time machine. It's like you never go before the time machine. The railway system was electrified sometime, I think, in like the early 1910s, 1920s. Mm-hmm. One of the points that the poster was implying on Reddit, maybe there's a connection there is what the okay. Redditor was implying. Right. I'm not sure. I just thought that was interesting. That is like so bizarre. Now we want to go to Bold Street. Yeah. And see, see what happens. happens. See what happens yeah. on Bold Street. Absolutely. But yeah, so I'm going to end this with a story. Okay. That is not really time travel. But I think it really seems very real and very bizarre. It involves supernatural travel. Not quite through time, but through space, very quickly, in an impossible fashion. This is the story of Gil Perez. So October 24th, 1593, Mm -hmm. a Spanish civil guard named Gil Perez was on active guard duty in Intramuros, Manila. He was on patrol outside the governor's palace. Now, Perez and his fellow guards were awaiting the appointment of a new governor because the previous night, their governor was assassinated. While on duty, Prez began to feel faint and exhausted, mm-hmm. kind of sick. So he took a moment to recuperate, leaned against a wall, and rested his eyes for a second. All of a sudden, upon opening his eyes, Gil Prez found himself standing in an unfamiliar city square, a wide-open plaza surrounded by Spanish architecture. And at the time, Manila in the Philippines was also occupied by Spanish, so that probably looked familiar to him, but right. still not quite right because that wasn't where he was just standing when he closed his eyes. Gil Perez asked a passerby where he was, and they told him that they were at the Plaza Mayor in front of the Viceregal Palace in Mexico. Perez had somehow traveled over 8,000 miles in the blink of an eye. 
and that's across an ocean too. Right. Eventually, the guards on duty at the Plaza Mayor noticed Perez in his unfamiliar uniform, and Gil Perez was taken to be questioned by authorities. One that was named was the Viceroy himself. The Viceroy spoke with Perez and found his story suspicious, and namely Perez's claims of the assassination of the governor in the Philippines because they hadn't gotten that news yet. Mm -hmm. But the Viceroy didn't really see anything wrong with Perez, so he's like, I guess you can let him go. Like, uh, who cares? Right. But then once local religious leaders found out about this, they were like, "Mm, that smells like witchcraft. And so Mm. the Spanish Inquisition got involved, (gasps) which is never good. Perez was handed over to the Spanish Inquisition, and after investigation, interrogation, whatever you want to call it, the Inquisition deemed Perez guilty of witchcraft. Was he, like, burned? No, for his crimes. Perez was sent by ship to a prison in the Caribbean islands. Over time, more was learned about Perez, and the Mexican officials discovered that he had in fact been a decorated soldier in Manila and was a devout Christian. But the mysterious nature of his teleportation still baffled and frightened Mexican officials, so Perez remained in prison. It wasn't until a cargo ship delivering goods to the port of Acapulco brought news of the assassination of the Governor General of the Philippines that Gil Perez was fully believed and brought back to Mexico for retrial. On the voyage back to Mexico, a passenger aboard the ship even recognized Perez as one of the Manila governor's guards. With mounting evidence backing Gil Perez's story, and revelations surrounding his devout faith, he was ultimately determined not to be a liar or a servant of the devil, Mm -hmm. but a victim of some supernatural anomaly, thus giving his captors no choice but to release him. Gil Perez boarded the next ship from Manila, where he returned to his post at the governor's palace. And that's the end of the story. So this guy just fucking teleports for no reason. What would you even do if that happened to you? Well, he was lucky that he ended up at a place that also spoke Spanish. Right. You know? And so not much is known about the life of Gil Perez, especially after his teleportation and the subsequent homecoming. He and his bizarre story do live on in Filipino legend. And uh, modern ufologists have offered the idea of alien abduction as a potential theory to explain the bizarre event. <laughs> yeah, right, of of course, because they're always just looking for something to blame an alien. <laughs> <laughs> right. That sounds like a job for me. Aliens. <laughs> um, hey, and then others have just theorized that it was good old-fashioned teleportation, some weird thing that we can't explain. But all of a sudden, this dude just travels... 8,000 right. miles. What if we have wormholes on Earth that we just haven't, like, found yet? I mean, yeah. I mean, who knows? I've had my eye on that story for a long time just because I thought, like, I got to talk about this at some point. And I thought yeah. time travel would be the easiest transition just because yeah. it is a form of bizarre travel. But what I like, too, just to, like, cap this off with some not important. Gil Perez's story has since been adapted and borrowed by many writers and folklorists. And you'll see different versions retold in different cultures mm-hmm. a book of mexican folk tales called stories of the living and the dead have a version of the story with the very fitting title of he came by air he left by sea oh that's kind of a nice title that's the story of gil perez a strange traveler not unlike a time traveler except he didn't travel through time see i feel like wormholes could be something that exists but they're not pinned down in one place and maybe they yeah. pop up randomly and sometimes people just get sucked in every now and again for no reason yeah i mean think of all the people that go missing right that whole malaysian air flight yeah i think they found where that went i'm pretty sure they found that that they know that that was shot down Mm -mm. nope it just it went to mexico it was it ended up in mexico aliens a lot of strange stuff out there yeah so much weird phenomena but also like bold street like that's so interesting what if there are thin places that exist but for time like time is a thin reality. Well, th- when you think about a thin place, which we talked about, 
on one end, like the like the the ghosts, the spirits, or whatever that are crossing over, time does not apply to them. Right. It's like half of a wormhole. But can you interact with people and things with time slips, or do you just like appear well, and so, then you pop back? The thing is that they're so brief that most people don't have an opportunity to to like, interact. Right, actually, do anything. So there's some debate as to whether or not like people are seeing you or if you're just seeing people like maybe just a one-way mirror of sorts that's what i'm saying yeah so it's like a one-way worm one-way worm one one worm end one worm end yeah see there you go (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, i don't know i mean and there's also certain instances where like people do feel like they're being watched like those those boys those naval cadets they they felt like something was watching them (gasps) what if it's like you know when you see someone in the corner of your eye and you look and they're not there what if it's like that for them, but the person actually exists and they're oh, seeing the oh. other person? Oof, spooky. Yeah. But like they're only there for a second. What if it's a different Bold Street? What if it's a parallel universe Bold Street and that's why we see it? You lost me there. but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we Too lost much. a lot of people. Too much. Yeah. I, I think that like so like time, we just perceive time because we that's how our sensory organs like under like process everything is with time yeah. like we just have we time makes sense to us but other things it probably doesn't and which means that time probably is just not even a real thing so once in a while there's a glitch in the matrix boom i'm back in 1950 for a second what the fuck okay never mind mm, mm-hmm. sorry our servers are undergoing maintenance so you may experience some difficulties weird to think about yep you just trip into a wormhole and trip back out yeah Oh, that's weird. But anyways, I think we can close it off there. Yeah. And I think that was like a fun little exploration into space-time. So I guess we can end this off with a good vibes. Uh, My good vibe is a one-way wormhole. A.K.A. the anus. The anus. <laughs> One way. Oh, well, <laughs> hello. Exit. exit, not an entrance. Unless you want it to be. If you think of your mouth as one end of the paper and your anus as the other end of the paper and I shove my fist through, my fist would come out your mouth. Or out your anus. Blech. <laughs> uh, okay. My good vibe will be Denver. Because that's where you were. That's where I was. That's where you time traveled. That's, no, where, that's I where you ta- regular traveled. That's where I regular traveled. Also, just um, places that are not Michigan. We're in Michigan, by the way. Yeah. And she doesn't like Michigan. I, I think really a, a lot of people that. don't like where they're at right now because everyone's just sort of grounded for the time being in the middle of these unprecedented times, wow. which everybody says that. If I hear someone say <laughs> unprecedented times one more time, I'm going to unprecedent your face with my fist. <laughs> I'm going to put my fist in your wormhole <laughs> ass mouth. God damn it. I'm pissed. Well, how unprecedented. <laughs> well, I called you out on that, didn't I? Oh, you motherfucker. After this, there will be no more according to an idiot. Yep. I'll be pummeled. Pummeled. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. And thank you for staying tuned and listening to us. You can... Find us on Facebook and Instagram at According to an Idiot or our Twitter at Idiots Accord. By the way, our last episode, the mini-sode on lobotomies, the artwork you see on Instagram, which is beautifully done by mm-hmm. a friend of ours named Sienna yes. Marie. You can find her other incredible pieces of art on Instagram under the name Marie Marie Art. She's really good Yeah, and um, incredibly talented. 
maybe she'll do some custom work for you if you contact her. And as always, you can send us episode ideas or give us feedback by emailing us at according to an idiot at gmail.com. Please leave a review on iTunes. I'll be reading those off as the episodes progress. So if you're interested in that, um, do that. If not, please re- leave a review anyway. Yeah, it helps people find the show and it helps us know that we're on the right track, that you like what you're hearing. Even if you hate our podcast, just tell me that you love me and <laughs> yeah. I will be fine. Yeah. She'll perk right up. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. We will see you in this time or the next. But we will see you in time. Bye. Bye. Love you. <laughs>